Well, hello there. Fancy meeting you here. My name is Tommy Jones, and this is my podcast. So let's take a few minutes, talk about life, and we will see where we end up. Welcome to Off the Cuff. I'm glad you're here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Tommy. I'm your host, as always. All right, so listen, here's the deal. If today sounds a little different, or if you have a different feel as you um, interact with today's podcast, let me tell you why. I've been driven from my closet. So as many of you know, um, this podcast typically generates from a closet behind Amber's desk. Well, today I was unable to turn off the air conditioner, so there's a big hiss in the closet. So I've moved my podcast booth into my office. And as many of you probably know, my office is even more disheveled than the closet I was broadcasting from. But nonetheless, we're going to push forward. I really should upload a picture at some point. But here we go. I'm excited about today. We've been on a little series over the last few weeks. We've been talking about um, doctrines that I disagree with, uh, theologies that scare me, whatever you want to call it. And over the few, last few weeks, we've talked about, we start off talking about um, health, wealth, and prosperity or the prosperity doctrine. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Last week, we sort of touched on what typically aligns itself with the far right, um, politically speaking. Uh, it, it's called Christian nationalism and went into pretty good detail about that. There's lots of things you can read about that. And today we're going to finish the series by talking about a theology, a doctrine that scares me, that aligns itself with the far left, and that would be progressive Christianity. Um, maybe some people call this New Age. Uh, I call it progressive. But again, this is so much information out there. I want to share a few of the books I used that I've read um, about this. One of them is called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity by Michael Kruger, uh, A False Kind of Christianity by Dan Jensen. Pretty clear that Dan Jensen has an agenda there because it's calling it a false kind of Christianity. And then I even pulled some from Erasing Hell which was an old book that Francis Chan wrote in response to Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. And by the way, some of the, some of the sort of pastors or the theologians who profess this progressive Christianity uh, would be like um, Richard Rohr is sort of the, the big name in that. He's a New Age uh, ex-Franciscan monk who's really big in progressive Christianity. Rob Bell is another one who I just mentioned. Jen Hatmaker would be one who used to be um, not in this, and I guess some things happened in her life, and she's changed direction now, and now she's a huge proponent of progressive Christianity. And those are three people that I would really question as I was reading uh, the, the things they're putting out. And so let's jump in, and, and remember, I'm not questioning those three people's souls. I'm not questioning, uh, you know, any—I'm just saying the theology that they're putting out scares me. And i got to be honest, guys, this one scares me more than the other two, probably. This one is— it's so twisted. And discussing progressive Christianity in a podcast is so difficult because the beliefs are so like nebulous. They're so just, um, they're really kind of hard to pin down in some ways because they're really big on gray space. As a matter of fact, some of their core beliefs seem to hinge around the fact that there is no core belief. It's like if it feels good and you believe it, then it must be right. If that's what you feel, then that's what's true. And so it's really almost hard to talk about in some ways because it's such a large playing field. But I will say this, the progressive Christian movement really attempts to tie itself in with ancient Christianity in attempt to present itself as the truth. And I would say one of the big reasons we have such a large progressive Christian movement is because it, it sort of sets itself up as an alternative to fundamentalism. 
And I think many people uh, were were damaged greatly by the Christian fundamentalist movement. You know, um, I think maybe the pendulum swung really far for a while in this sort of puritanical, legalistic rule that so many people grew up in. And so many of these people who grew up in, in legalistic, puritanical churches where you know, it, it was almost cruel in the way they oppressed women and the way they, you know, uh, treated sinners and all this sort of, so many people grew up in that, that they started looking for something different. Uh, so many people who grew up in, in, a, in a, a Christianity or religion where God was presented as an angry father, they started looking for a different father. One who seemed to say that everything was good and one who seemed to say that everything was okay. And so I understand why so many people have migrated into this progressive Christian movement because it's open. It's like anything you think is good and, and but we'll get into that. But one of the things they do that's so interesting is how they use uh, a little bit of truth and wind it in with things that aren't true. It feels like some of the core tenets of what makes someone distinctly Christian often seem to be erased in the progressive Christian movement. And so this one scares me, and this is one that's so easy to subscribe to because so many of the things the progressive Christian movement says are things we should want to be true. It's like they're saying things that, that you're like, ah, oh, yeah, like I, I want to believe that. But just because I want to believe something and just because something feels good to me doesn't necessarily make it the truth. And so I, I really think it's important that we investigate this one. I really think it's important that we, that we stop and measure these things against the historic Christian beliefs. Um, and again, progressive Christianity tries in so many ways to tie itself to historic Christianity, but it's taking things out of context. And there's always been a small pocket of people who didn't believe the truth. We see that in, in the Acts study. We'll see that in Paul's writings, that there were early Christians who were completely misguided. And so uh, much of the Bible is attempting to correct these uh, misguided assumptions about Jesus and what he means. And so I have a lot of disagreements with progressive Christianity, uh, this progressive Christian theology. But what I really want to do today is try to try to zoom in or, you know, really focus in on on three or four, because we could spend hours and hours and hours on this. But I would encourage you to do your homework. And I would encourage you to remember that just because something is popular, it doesn't mean it's right. Just because Oprah is for it doesn't mean it's actually what's from the Bible. And so a lot of these uh, progressive Christians have become sort of rock stars in so many ways, because again, they are saying something that so many people want to hear, especially people who are raised under a yoke, uh, a heavy uh, burden of incredible, uh, you know, rigid fundamentalist Christianity. I don't think fundamentalist used to be a bad word, probably. It was people who held on to the fundamentals. But over time, it was used as a stick to beat people. And so you see a, a revolution against, a rebellion against that. And that's what we're seeing with this. But let's go through uh, some of the core tenets of Christianity. I think this will be the best way to approach this. Let's approach some fundamental tenets of Christianity. And then let's see what the progressive Christian movement would say about that. And so here's, here's one core tenet of Christianity. Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no way to spend eternity with God outside of making a willful choice to give your life to Jesus Christ. Guys, I really feel, I believe, and I think that's foundational Christianity. That is, is 
Christianity 101. I'm not sure how a belief outside of that actually qualifies as Christianity or, or would classify itself as that because the core belief is that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the Father but through the Son. And I, I just, I, I know my interpretation of the Bible is wrong on a lot of things. I get that. And, and I know I'm going to stand in front of God. And he's going to say, I'm different than you thought, Tommy. I'm better. I believe that. But on this one, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see how you could read the Bible on a desert island and come away not believing that Jesus is the only way to God. But progressive Christianity tends to lend itself more towards a view of life called universalism. And universalism is basically the belief that everyone goes to heaven. Matter of fact, that's Rob Bell in his book, Love Wins. That's one of his big premises, is that eventually, over time, somehow, God's love will, uh, this, I think this is a quote from the book, will melt the heart of even the most depraved sinner. That everyone will at some point come to Christ. And so he uses all sorts of quotes and all sorts of half-truths to make this point. But that's not historic Christianity. It's not all roads lead to Rome. Richard Rohr talks about this too. But it's, it's not that everyone ends up with Jesus. One of the things we believe is that God is a respecter of free will. And so we believe that if you reject God long enough, that eventually God will allow you to have your choice. Hell is not God's punishment for sinners. I mean, hell is the choice for people who decide to reject God. And so again, I don't love this view. There's nothing, I, I don't even like it. I don't like a view that there may be, um, that some people may be separated from God forever. I don't like that view. But I didn't get to write the Bible. If I did write it, I might come up with something different. If I was God, I might have had a different plan. Now, my plan wouldn't be as good because I'm not all good, all knowing, all powerful. But but that seems to be that the, the progressive Christian view is that God is love. And because God is love, nothing, you know, no one can ever be separated from the fullness of God. And you and I, or, you know, people who actually... Uh, consider ourselves more traditional Bible followers, we believe that, yes, God is love. God is the fullness of love. But God is not one-dimensional. God is not simply a, a piece of white paper with a big heart drawn on it. God is not just love. He is the fullness of love as love is defined by God, not as love is defined by me and you. But God is also the fullness of justice, and God is also the fullness of mercy, and God is also the fullness of righteousness, and God hates sin. And he will do whatever it takes to eradicate sin from his people and creation. So although God is loved, that doesn't mean that all must be saved. Because God is also holy and just. And love gives a choice. And so out of God's infinite love, he has allowed people to choose. And he has made a way. God's love has made a way to God for broken sinners. And we'll get to that in a minute. That, that's another foundational flaw of the progressive Christianity. Because the, the progressive would say, well, God is good. So everyone's outcome must be good. And you and I would say, no, God's goodness is what demands justice. Because God is so good, there must be justice. There must be punishment. There, there must be righteousness. God is righteous. And a righteous God demands a payment for sin. And the progressive Christian will say, well, God is all-powerful. And if God is all-powerful, he could prevent people from going to hell. So hell must be a failure. And what, what, what we would say is, well, hell is not God's failure. 
God's failure would be sin going unredeemed or unpunished. And this is such a hard thing to say, and I don't like it, but it's what I believe. I believe this. God only fails if sin is un, unpunished or unredeemed. So if, as long as if sin is being eradicated by someone who has accepted the blood of Christ, then, then God wins. On the other hand, if someone rejects the offer of Christ, and so somehow sin is forever separated from the presence of God by their choice, that is not God's failure. Sin is being punished. Sin is, is getting what sin deserves. And so, yes, God is all-powerful. And yes, God is love. And yes, God is good. And yes, God is righteous. And yes, God is justice. And God is mercy. And they would say, well, yes, God's justice and, and wrath, those were all taken out on Jesus. And you and I would say, absolutely. But because of God's incredible love and because God has set up a system where there is free will, what was taken out on Jesus allows you and I to have choice. It doesn't force salvation on us. We're not forced to give our lives to Christ. It's not, you know, salvation without the, without the ability to, to deny it. It's a choice because God is so loving, because God desires that we would freely turn to him. And so the idea that everyone goes to heaven no matter what, or everyone is saved, or everyone has eternity with God no matter what, that's a beautiful idea. I, 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 get, I get it, but it's not biblical Christianity. Here's another Christian view that I think is fundamental to, to Christianity, and it's this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. A fundamental Christian view is that the sin of one man, Adam, has stained all men. The sin of one has stained us all, and therefore we are all born sinners who stand in need of transformation and healing. We believe, basic Christianity says, we are born dead only to find life through a healing relationship with Jesus, who is the Christ, who is the Messiah. Now, the progressive Christian seems to argue, I am inherently good. I am good because I was created in the image of God. And again, that's, that's a half-truth. That's a half-truth. You were created in the image of God. But sin separated us from God. But the progressive Christian would say, I am good as I am. I deserve good because of who I am. Because you are a cherished human being created by God, because you bear the imprint of heaven. You are worthy of honor. Every person is. That, that's, that's, that's what Jen Hatmaker believes. And that's just not the truth of the Bible. Yes, it is a glorious, amazing truth that, that God loves us and that God cherishes us. But God doesn't love us because we are inherently lovable. God loves us because God is love. And God has chosen to restore us. God has chosen to redeem us. But at our heart, we are broken, poor, pitiful, and wretched apart from Christ. And I understand the desire to not believe that. I understand the desire to distort that because that is an unfortunate truth. But isn't it almost more beautiful to understand that God isn't loving you because of your inherent perfection? That God is loving you at your worst? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? To me, it's even more glorious to know that Christ doesn't love me because of my inherent perfection. He loves me in spite of my inherent imperfection. 
that even though I am broken, he loves me. That while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. That, that's the fact that he loves me as I am with all this brokenness, with all these thoughts and desires. The fact that he's willing to, to change me, the fact that he has the ability to transform me. These things are beautiful. I was watching the, the Hillsong documentary uh, about the fall of Hillsong, and man, so much of what was happening in that church was just twisted, and so much of that is, is in, in my opinion, what happens when, when you know, pastors' uh, charisma outgrows their character, when churches outgrow uh, our, our ability to actually nurture the people, and I, I'm not sure pastors were ever meant to be, you know, mega superstars, but for whatever, this is what happened in Hillsong. But one of the guys in the documentary was so offended because his beef with Hillsong was that, that they said, God loves you just as you are, but God wants to change you. And like the, the documentary makes it sound like that's a horrible thing for a church to say, but it's not. Like, that's the gospel. And Jen Hatmaker and these other people, they come from a false premise that they're, they're, you don't need to be changed. Yes, you do. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. It is Christ who perfects me. Before I knew Christ, I was dead, dead in sin, dead in my trespasses. It is only through a relationship with Christ that I am made righteous. And so as one who is coming to Christ, I don't come to him as one who is already perfect. I come to him as one who is dead and in need of life. And again, that, that changes the way we come to Christ. And so I, I, I just can't figure out sometimes where they get this. Like the idea of self-denial, uh, it, it, they throw it out. The progressive Christian thought, you, don't, you shouldn't deny yourself anything because you're perfect. And if you want it, then it's right. But that's, that's not true. I mean, this is, this is why Jesus said, you must take up your cross and follow me. We have sinned against God. Uh, and so we stand in need of transformation, everyone. And to tell people that you're perfect just as you are, it, then why, why Jesus? Why, why would you possibly need Jesus? And maybe their rebuttal would be, well, they're made perfect as they are because of Jesus. And that's true, but that's for people who are in a relationship with Jesus. An offer has been made, but the offer must be accepted. And, and, and that's the way it works. I mean, that's, that's what the Bible teaches. And the things I'm talking about right now, guys, this is like whether you're a Baptist or Assembly of God or Methodist or, or whatever. Like these are the basic core tenets of Christianity is that we stand in need of a God who has the ability and the desire to cure us and make us whole. And apart from him, and apart from a relationship with him, we are broken, poor, pitiful, and wretched. But that with him and through him, we are being made perfect. But we stand in need of transformation. Another core Christian belief is that God is the creator. That God is um, unique and distinct from creation. Creation depends on God. God does not depend on creation. That God is above creation. Well, the progressive Christianity moves more towards something that we might call uh, pantheism. Basically, it's this, that God and the, and the creation are one. Uh, that God is one with creation. Um, 
that there is this idea of a universal Christ that is in all things and and part of it, and Christ is water and Christ is the cockroach and Christ is, you know, um, I don't the tree and that's not Christianity. That's not historic Christianity. We do not believe that, although they're plucking one verse and really misreading it, we believe that God is above, unique, and distinct from all creation. Richard Rohr would also say that Jesus and the Christ are separate. We would not believe that. That is not something that we believe at all, that we believe Jesus is the Christ. We do not believe the Christ is in Jesus. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. Uh, Christ is not some strange force that runs through all things. Christ is a person, and he is Jesus. He is one with God, and he is the Son of God. And they are not one with the tree. They are the creator of the tree, and they are above the tree. Now, we do believe that God moves through things, but God is not that thing. And so this is a pretty uh, important thing to believe. Uh, this, this is, this is uh, an important thing for us to understand because, again, you read things like this and they sound so intelligent. They're weaving in so much half-truth that you begin to think these things are actually true. But this is just not what the Bible presents. This is, it's, it's so far off that it's almost kind of hard to argue. And Rohr or the progressive Christian will say, well, Tommy, you're being narrow-minded or dualistic. And what they mean by that is you are saying it must be either this or that. And to that, I would say, you're absolutely right. And they would say, well, you're putting God in a box by saying that, that Jesus is the Christ. You're putting God in a box. And I'm saying, no, God has chosen to reveal himself to us in certain ways. These are the ways God has chosen to reveal himself. This is who God says he is. And so either, either Jesus is lying or crazy, or he is who he says he is. But they try so hard to weave in just enough truth to distort it. And by basically saying, you know, oh, well, you believe that, and that's okay, and I believe this, and this is okay. And my response is, no, one of us is wrong. One of us is wrong. <laughs> we, we're not both right. Um, he's, it can't be this and that. Anywho, <laughs> the point of, of this is this. Um, we, we, uh, we share fundamental differences with the progressive Christian movement. We do not believe there are multiple ways to God. Uh, we believe there is only one way, and that is through willfully uh, giving yourself into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, someone's going to argue, well, what about the person who doesn't have the ability to make that decision? And I'll say, I think that's probably a larger topic for another podcast, but I do believe God may have grace for situations that we don't understand, but I think what the Bible is talking about is willful rejection of Christ. And I think you and I would say that uh, for those who can know, I think this is, the, this is the foundational for sure, for those who can know to willfully reject him leads to a life apart from him, and to willfully accept him leads to forever with him. And there does seem to be a large emphasis placed on us going and telling people who don't know so that they will know. And so I think we can say it is important that we make sure everyone who has the opportunity to know him does. Uh, we do believe that God is love, but we also believe that God is wrath and God is justice and God is righteousness and God is holiness and God is 
mercy. And we don't believe that one of God's attributes outweigh all of other God's other attributes. There's a song we used to sing. It's called, uh, we delight in, or he delights in showing mercy and mercy triumphs over judgment. Do y'all remember that song? Uh, man, Laura Aaron would sing it sometimes and she would do an awesome job with it. But I'm not really sure that's a great song because love didn't triumph over judgment. Mercy didn't triumph over judgment. It was the fullness of everything. The fullness of judgment was taken out on Christ. And so I guess in some ways, love triumphed over judgment because it wasn't taken out on you. But judgment happened, and judgment continues to happen. And so, yes, he is the fullness of of love, but he's the fullness of everything else too. And we have to remember that. Um, We believe we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't come to God as perfect people. Uh, We come to God as people who stand in need of being perfected through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are not inherently good. We are broken at birth. Through sin, we are stained. We are born into a sinful world. We are sinful people from the get-go. I don't love that one either, but it's, it's what the Bible teaches. We believe God is distinct and unique from creation. He is above all things. And he is greater than all things. And Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> there, I mean, there is, he is. You cannot separate Jesus from Christ. He is one with him. And so, guys, I would be careful about reading uh, and quoting, you know, these Rob Bells and Jen Hatmakers and Richard Wars. I'd be very careful with some of these readings. I would investigate and think through them. And just like I'd be careful with the Christian nationalist stuff and the prosperity stuff, man, I think we have to know the Bible. We have to study these things and know these things. Um, I think there's so many things that want to distract us from the truth. My hope is that you and I will be people who hold to the truth, even when the truth is not what we want. Man, I've enjoyed this conversation with you guys. I'd love to hear back from you on it. If you have any comments or feedback, just shoot it to me. Uh, but I sure enjoy having these conversations with you. I think next we're going to try something kind of cool. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to record a seven-day uh, sort of meditative journey on heaven, a uh, seven-day meditative journey on this idea that he has created a room for us in his house, and and give me a you know couple weeks to release that, and then we'll get it'll be like ten minutes a day for seven days, and you'll just sort of go through that, and I think it'll be fun. Appreciate you guys. I hope to see you soon. Jones out.